Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Worried about keeping up with your fave friends all summer? Or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see? Don't sweat the connect. You can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Scroll the staycation pics, find your new go-to takeout spot, or catch some rays on video chat. Whatever you and the crew are into, all the data makes it all that much better. Smile, you're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. Happy holidays from your friends at Podcast One. Hi, everyone. It's Becca from The Lady Gang. We wanted to say thank you to all our advertisers for their support this year. We couldn't do it without you. Have a very happy holiday season. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. I want to thank you for listening this year and have a happy and safe holiday. Hi, it's Barbara Boxer wishing you a happy new year. And this is Nicole. Yeah, and we're wishing you a happy holidays. Hey, everyone. It's Sheena Shea from Shenanigans. Just wishing you all happy holidays and a very happy new year. Hey guys, it's Nas and Nadia from Ladies, Ladies Like, like us. us. We want to wish our listeners a very happy holiday and say thank you to all our advertisers who support our show. We could not do it without you. Happy holidays. Hey, it's Heather and Terry Dubrow. Hello, happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Shaq, I know you love being Santa. No, I am Santa. Yeah. All day, every day. Happy, happy holidays, holidays from adulting like a mother father. Hey everyone, it's Caitlin Bristow from Off the Vine Podcast wishing you a very happy holiday season and thank you for all of your support this year. Tis the season of giving! And we know you're looking for gifts for your family and friends right now. So check out our amazing sponsors who bring you showmance every week for free. Give us your ears and they'll give you awesome deals. And we will give you more of the content you love. Hey, it's Heidi Pratt. I just want to thank all of our amazing sponsors for making this show possible and everything that they do so we can have this free podcast for you guys every week so thank you so much to all of our awesome sponsors we love you and we really love all your products so thank you hey everybody steve austin here and i want to wish you a very happy holiday season and a happy new year and that's the bottom line if you're like me you struggle to find a dress shirt that fits even remotely close to well Um, every time I buy a dress shirt, there's some part of it that's just ridiculous. Like the arms are way too long, the chest fits, or the chest is way too big and, you know, the arms are good. The, the solution is proper cloth, thankfully. So they have a genius idea, which is to try and custom fit a shirt for your body instead of fitting you into some generic mannequin that is a combination of everyone's body. You can order a custom fit shirt from proper cloth where they ask you 10 simple questions. They use something called machine learning, which we use every day that allows them to fit the shirt for you instead of everyone else. Not only does proper cloth make it easy to create your own custom size, but they make it really simple to then customize the shirt completely so that you get the style and the fit that is uniquely you. You want a bigger pocket. You want a bigger left cuff. There's like 30 different things that you can choose from to get the exact style that you want. The team of proper cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world. They only buy fabrics that meet their high quality expectations. They met my expectations, which also says a lot because I hate almost everything out there. But 
Proper Cloth is awesome. Each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing. So you are getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. They have a perfect fit guarantee, thank God, which means that if it doesn't fit perfectly, you can return it completely free. Proper Cloth has been featured in many publications that you may have heard of, like the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Esquire, GQ, and Fast Company. GQ called them their new favorite online custom shirt maker. And Here's the cool thing. If you use... If you go to PFF, sorry, propercloth.com slash PFF, I got excited there for a second. And then you use the gift code PFF20, you get $20 off your first shirt. It's very simple, propercloth.com slash PFF. Proper cloth shirts are completely custom made and start at just over 80 bucks. I have no idea what you're waiting for. Go to propercloth.com. Alrighty, it's 2020. It is, yep. And we're just a couple of computer folk over here enjoying the new year and the new decade and the fact that the NFL playoffs are here. This is where the computer folk really shine. It is, it is. Uh, man, that was... A season's one, worth of data. That was one hell of a press conference. We've got some computer folk in the back, too, that you can't see um, that are just making everything work. We want to give them a shout-out. The back end, uh, the scouting... Uh, it's going well. Uh, updates are immense. A lot of hamsters just running. And uh, what about? So I wrote this in the chat that we had the other day. The the Saquon like the discussion doesn't that sound like he's telling Saquon like you know when you, you, you know, two parents are sort of like telling a kid yeah you weren't planned but I'm not, not going to exactly call you a mistake. You, you know, seem to have I, more experience I, with this than I, I do. I, I love, you know, we love you, but, you know, it wasn't exactly the most planned situation in the world with Barkley. It was like, he's trying, he obviously is like alluding to mistakes he's made in the past mm-hmm. and he doesn't name the guy specifically, but it's got to feel like, you know, uh, Barkley's kind of like, was I just like a drunken one night stand type of thing? Like, you know, poor guy. Cause yeah. his, that's the thing that we talked about when he was drafted which is he's at his physical peak right now. And if you're not a team that is going to be winning right now, which you're not going to be when your quarterback is Eli Manning, guy mm-hmm. that wears a beanie when it's pouring rain, which tells you what his brain is currently like. When you draft a running back like Saquon Barkley, first off, at number two, it's bad, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're a bad team, you're just wasting this guy's athletic prime which sucks because as much as running backs are not valuable, watching ones that are incredibly athletic and great is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And it would be really cool to see him on a great team. Yeah, and, and you know, we saw over the course of the last few games like what, you know, how great he can be. And they did win a couple of those games. They blew out Miami. They, blew out, they beat Washington in a, in a sort of a thriller. And he had, you know, uh, 92 rushing yards in the last game against Philly. And ultimately, like, he ended up with over 1,000 yards. He hit all the benchmarks despite being injured this year. And sucks. Yeah. If you could put him on one playoff team right now, where would you put Saquon Barkley? Because I have one, and it would be awesome. Houston. No. Okay. I'd put him on the Chiefs. Sure. Can you imagine how fun that would be? Yeah, but here's the problem. Uh, So I don't disagree that he would be, like, a very, you know, good player for them, but... I've always had the issue with like a brilliant running back going on an offense that is like pass happy. Like it feels like they would almost have to slow their offense down to incorporate him. Oh, see, I disagree. I think they're the one offense 
that would say, oh, he's a great receiver. We're, we love to throw the ball. To We're going to take pass. advantage of him in the passing game. Whereas if he went anywhere else, I do think that would be an issue. Like I would hate for him to go to Houston and be like, you know what? Will Fuller, we're going to try and keep your hammy on ice here, so we're going to run the ball 40 times with Saquon. That was the one thing that had been missing from the Chiefs' offense is these like throws to the running backs. Yeah, their screen game's been poor. Um, Damian Williams somehow had two runs over 80 yards this year and only averaged 4.5 yards a carry. Hate to see it. How bad is that? Oh, man, I said I wasn't going to say hate to see it. That was my New Year's resolution. It's okay. All right, we're restarting. Uh, There have been a lot of— I've already broken all my New Year's resolutions and seven of the Ten Commandments. In the, in the Did you actually day. have a New Year's resolution? No. I mean, I have a few. Yeah. I have a very, I have some very opinionated. Uh, yeah. So you tweeted them out already. <laughs> yeah. But I've, I've really fleshed them out a little bit. So we'll save it for the end. The Cincy Y segment today is worth waiting for because I've got a lot of things to air out on this second day of January. So some coaching changes that have happened. Let's just, um, what's the, what's the one that matters the most? It can't be Cleveland, right? It can't be. That is just a ridiculous situation. It looks as though the it looks as though the Baltimore Ravens are the class of that division for a long time. And so for me, there's no upending of anything, right? If they get a brilliant coach, they're basically battling for this with the Steelers for an AFC wild card moving forward. Um, uh, to me, like I'm more disappointed in some of the moves that haven't been made. So like okay. if you're if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, like you know Doug Marone took you to the AFC title game, but that team quit on you at times last year. I know they finished strong, but like, I, 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 that's one I didn't understand. Anthony Lynn is one I didn't understand. You know, and yeah, let Dan, me get, Dan let, Quinn's one I didn't okay. understand. Let me tell you the real, the real bit because I agree with you. The biggest moves are the ones that haven't been made yet. Yeah. and this is of the one. Jason Garrett. <laughs> yeah. You're just gonna rip it <laughs> out from under me, huh? Yeah. Jason Garrett still being with the Dallas Cowboys. What did we talk about? On Sunday night, I sat here and I said, look, it's going to be tough for Jerry, man. He's going to sit there. He's going to go, here are the guys that are out there. I love Jason Garrett like a son. He always does what I ask him to do. He's a real smart guy. By all accounts, Jason Garrett is a great dude. Now, you might have a different opinion watching him coach. That's fine. I understand that. But we're, what, five days after the season is over, yeah. and it, and Jerry Jones came out after every disappointing game and said, "This is unacceptable. We don't make the playoffs or compete for a Super Bowl. Thing, you know, things need to change. They need to make the playoffs." And Jason Garrett's still there. I am putting the chances of Jason Garrett staying with the Cowboys at ten percent right now. Wow, uh, I think it's at least fifty-fifty. Oh no, no way. There's you think it's at least fifty-fifty. He's he. It looked, was zero six days ago. He they like moved. They like they they've moved meetings back. They've had meetings like this thing. It's like that country music song, "Cheaper to Keeper." I feel like Kevin Clark <laughs> had an incredible tweet about this. He said um, that Jason Garrett and uh, Jerry Jones having meetings and then not doing anything and then setting up another like meeting is just the American, <laughs> the American way. And that really hit home for me. I'm like, Yeah, that's exactly it. No, no, I, I think it's, I can't imagine that there's any way he stays as the coach because I don't think, I don't think there's a way for them to spin it in a, in a positive light. Mm-hmm. I think the 10% chance that he stays is that he stays in some like advisory role with the Cowboys, which would be really funny to me. Here's there's a, no way he stays. I, I think he stays. No. I, well, I think that there's a better than 
punt. I think there's a better than puncher's chance he stays. Here's a question now, which I, I, I want to get to. Of the 12 teams left in the playoffs, is there a head coach among them that is that could possibly be replaced? Because I have one, and it's something that I, I brought up you know, a, a few times and gotten mocked and ridiculed for, but I think it, it's, it has a chance. Is there a... I don't think so. So I think, and I think that there's a, a better, there's a, so here's the thing with Garrett, right? The reason why this is maddening for Garrett it, and the Cowboys is that you are missing out possibly on opportunities to acquire a coach not, during this limbo situation. Mike Zimmer, former defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys, big time Parcells guy, Vikings you know, Kevin Stefanski are, was on the round shortlist before, has done a pretty good job as their offense coordinator this year. Is there a chance that we see some sort of like Lovey Smith, Dirk Cutter situation or failed Dan Quinn, Kyle Shanahan situation where the Vikings elevate Stefanski? They already have Kubiak in the role of advisor. You know, could like they, they do appear to be a team that if they get blown out this week, there, there's a lot of questions about, yeah, Zimmer's a great coach. They've made the playoffs three out of six years, one of the best defenses in the NFL, and what does that even get you, right? You know what I mean? And as Stefanski leaves, now you're back to a situation you're flipping a coin. John DeFilippo was a bad offensive coordinator last year. They've sort of gone from Shermer to DeFilippo to Shermer. Like, and it's like, okay. Shermer's available. And it, right, exactly. So they're talking about So there's a situation where— So Minnesota loses 30, 35-10. Yeah. yeah. And and the and there was, Here's there was the some rumors about them possibly trading him to Dallas, trading Zimmer to Dallas. Yes, for like a, a draft pick. I can't possibly imagine Dallas bringing in old Mike Zimmer as the face of this new young team. That makes no sense to me. But he, the issue that I see, I, I don't hate that. The issue that I have with it is if they get blown out by New Orleans, their offense probably looks pretty poor. And I can't imagine them elevating Kevin Stefanski at that point. What if they lost their like forty two twenty eight? Then then everything stays. You th- okay, you think that that's a respectable enough outcome? Even so, Cousins presumably plays well enough to get them on the scoreboard four times. Defense is a disaster. Defense hasn't been the same this year. Although the season long stats, as we wrote about in our article, are good. When they face good offenses, they've been a, a train wreck. Yeah. I don't know. To me, that's the one that I think could happen. That makes the most sense. Aside from... Asi- I can't imagine Dallas trading for him. That would crack me up. Aside from that. aside from the galaxy brain thing, again, where we think about... We talked about this last year. Belichick to the Browns. No. It just never... It will never happen, you think? <laughs> what do you smoke? The, the Browns are such a funny franchise, though, that you can bring that up every year because their coach, their, their coach's tenure is like one year. Right. Year. But the problem is that Belichick is a respectable human being. And no respectable human being is going to that franchise right now. I don't know, because we talked about this. I think we talked about this the other day. Like, is there that challenge of trying to resurrect a literally dead franchise that appeals to somebody like Belichick, who I'm not saying he's bored, but like there's probably got to be some complacency built in, right? Like yeah, where but- you're, con- you're the third seed in the AFC and it's considered a, free- a failure. This Bill year. Belichick has a boat that he renames for the number of rings he's won which tells you something about Bill Belichick. He likes going on a boat. You know what you can't do in Cleveland? Enjoy time on a boat. 
There's no chance this dude wants to go spend five hard years toiling in Cleveland. For what? For what reason? The dude's already the greatest coach of all time. He has a lovely, I don't know if it's his wife or girlfriend now. Is he, are they married? Anyways, so. they enjoy spending time on the boat. We've seen him on vacation. There's a 0% chance that Bill Belichick wants to go deal with that dumpster fire. It's going to be some young guy who's like, this is my chance to prove it. If I can, if I can make the Browns respectable, I can do anything. And then he's going to go in there and people are going to start leaking information about what he does on New yeah. Year's Day and it's over. Okay. I mean, I, I've, I've seen like historically like uh, uh, Vince Lombardi died as the head coach of the Redskins, right? Like he literally went to that franchise to try to resurrect it. Like there were, there's something in it, you know, there, there's some unfinished business obviously in Cleveland because he got fired by the Browns, like all that kind of stuff. I feel like there's like a non-zero but trace chance. It's negative. <laughs> I'd say there's a better chance that Bill Belichick is the next commissioner of the NFL oh, than there is Cleveland Browns head coach. Can you imagine? There's a better chance that he's the next Redskins head coach wow. than he is the Cleveland okay. Browns head coach. I, I, when, or when Cowboys. It be, wouldn't it be compelling, though? I, I think there's a better chance he's the next Cowboys head coach. I, I, don't, I don't hate that either. Who should the Cowboys hire? Uh, Jason Garrett? <laughs> Kellen Moore, so like, and Chris and Richard. There's the there's this there was that rumor that they fired everybody, and then that of course was false. Yeah. Um. I don't think it's Kellen, like Kellen Moore is like 14 years old, so it's sort of hard to to put that that one there. Um. Yeah, that this is why I think they're still yeah, they're they're trying to, to figure out to Garrett right. Well, like, is it is Matt Rule? I mean, Matt Rule's team came up pretty flat yesterday but like his Matt he looks Rule, great in his arch schmock dude he's something isn't he like appearance wise <laughs> him spitting on himself dude. wearing an arch schmock well like, and, and a hoodie i mean indoors there was always the, the hot candidate was always chris peterson of washington and he has stepped down and taken an advisory role with them i don't know if that and he his you know his stature has kind of declined over the years um is it somebody like i mean think about somebody like Jim Harbaugh too, like just somebody who failed at the like who went to what the about college Urban level. Meyer? Well, Urban Meyer is apparently like a, a candidate for the Browns now, which I can't, I can't imagine. imagine that that being a good thing. But uh, Lincoln Riley's one as well, though you have to ask yourself at this point in time, like you know, it, how did the playoff game shape that? Hopefully, not much, right? Because it was mostly their defense, which he doesn't really have a lot of of stake in. So I don't know. It'll be an, it'll be an interesting one. I think I honestly think Zimmer is a, a candidate. I can't. I couldn't imagine. I think Dallas would have a, a conniption if they brought in the guy that old. Because here's the, here's the thing. They have all these young players, and this is the hidden issue with Dallas, is their two most important, three most important players, you could argue, are all in need of a contract. Byron Jones, Amari Cooper, and obviously Dak Prescott. Who are the guys that you've signed? Well, you've signed Demarcus Lawrence, who took a huge cut in terms of his playing time this year, and Ezekiel Elliott, who it turns out doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, and so the three guys that matter most to your team may not be with your team that much longer. So you have to bring in a guy who's young enough that he can build something and not be a two to three year guy. So the only options I would throw Robert Sala in there because he's a guy that brings. Uh, he's not an offensive guy, but he has the type of personality where he could probably get a good young offensive guy to come with him. Um, but he's known as someone that 
is no nonsense and could create a decent culture there, which seems to be what was lacking with with Jason Garrett. And as long as you have a good offensive mind, but you know me, I, I think you have to have an offensive guy, and I think you it's Lincoln to, Riley because you can't. I mean, you can't. You risk losing him. You risk losing him. That's. I mean, that's literally what the Vikings are dealing with, like the, the Zimmer thing. And not that Stefanski's some like young genius, but like you do, you do risk. Like I do think they're having post traumatic about losing Shermer. DeFilippo comes in, right? Yep. You have you waste a year of Cousins' first contract. I right? think like, so. The Browns one is the one that really is interesting to me because they seem to be associating themselves with candidates that are legit. Yeah. Except that they're just. There's a lot of things that they that have come out about the Browns that don't seem legit, right? And all these things all of a sudden start to leak. And personally, if I were a head coaching candidate and I hear all these things leak, I'm just saying no. It's well, just not the, happening. That was the story of you know John Lynch when he was interviewing for the Niners job, oh, and he said, you know, like I, you know, it was such a surprise to all of us. But that was basically his test for the Niners, you know, organization was could you keep this secret? Because we don't want this kind of nonsense leaking out. And, you know, the Niners had some bumps along the road. But obviously now the, the one seed in the NFC, it seems to have been a pretty good marriage between the two. And I do agree. I think, like, there's some level of functionality. Uh, you know, the Niners – and the Niners, like, you think about that. They took their lumps. Like, Jed York, like, they, mm-hmm. you know, they went uh, – you know, the Harbaugh thing ended terribly. Oh, Chip, you're, t- you're telling me. Chip that- Kelly, Tim, uh, Jim Tom Sula, right? Like, those were not great times. And then... Hey, man, I still remember Mike Nolan. Yeah, but... The, Singletary. I mean, well, they, Nolan and Singletary, but then they had some functionality right, with, right. with Harbaugh. And but I'm then, just saying, it's been a long... It's, like, even the Harbaugh now it, one. Now, regardless of what happens in the playoffs, I feel like the Niners are in such a great place. And, it, and that's a small thing, like, there. But it is something that's lacking with this Brown situation where it doesn't... It, you know, and kudos to people like Matt Rule who are like, I'm not interviewing for these stupid jobs if they're going to be like this, right? Like, you know, he it's turned, such down, an important, turned down the Browns. It's structural integrity is so freaking important. It's important yeah. just in this office that we're sitting in right here yeah. that, you know, things that you tell people don't get out. It's important at the NFL level. It's important yeah. everywhere. And if you just can't have that one modicum of decency, yeah. I think it should write you off in a lot of different ways. Um, the, the last thing that came out was that Baker Mayfield was out drinking in Austin same so who like cares? what <laughs> what I would be concerned about is if it came out that Baker Mayfield's been sitting in a dark room by himself yeah. not drinking if anything had but kombucha that, for the past three weeks if you had the season Baker had this year you deserve a couple nights out if Stop like. it. I, I, I tweeted this out but I said you know we always talk about things in in hindsight with respect to how successful that person's been so like your story of Tom Brady you know, he goes out and wins beer chugging contests. It's like, what a great leader. Yeah. Leader of men. Yeah, everybody can relate to him now. Yeah. It's, like, it's ridiculous. I, I'm going to make a bold prediction that Baker Mayfield in five years is um, on the verge of winning a Super Bowl with the Patriots. And Jameis is the quarterback of the Browns. I think there's a better <laughs> chance that Belichick coach, coaches Mayfield as a Patriots quarterback than as a Browns quarterback, and uh, that the Browns are still looking for a head coach in uh, in twenty when the decade turns in twenty thirty. Like wow, Baker Mayfield, yeah. greatest thing that ever happened to the New England Patriots. Well, interestingly, uh, I think just Dan Snyder's still the owner, but just to like wrap this up, Rivera, I think is a good hire by Washington. I think yeah, I you know he he says some stu- some dumb stuff, but honestly, like the things, the way that he acts, f- feels like he understands that like there are, are edges to be had in football. Um, go sport on fourth down. He probably not as much as he should, but you but know, he's willing to. But he's willing to. 
Um, Bruce Allen being out, I think, really helps. I think there was a there was a, always an issue with sort of like functionality as you talk about with that franchise. So um, now there, you look at the Gi- like that's why that's why a guy like that's why a guy like um, Mike McCarthy is looking at the Giants because. The NFC East is not a division that that, that division There's is wide there. open moving yep. forward. The Eagles seem to be the class of that division, but they're the new Falcons struggling. So. I mean, they weren't five hundred so, this year. The, here's the interesting thing about Rivera going. So I think having the second pick is very appealing to him. Now they're going to take Chase Young. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. But uh, they, I'm going to say this again. They should consider taking Tua if he's healthy or trading down. Because that team has a lot of issues, especially offensively. And you don't know anything about Dwayne Haskins yet. You know nothing about him. And unless you have a good quarterback, it does not matter. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean average. I mean good. Yeah. Like you can't, it's like, what's a good example? It's like, it's like a comedian. An average comedian isn't good. You don't go, you know what? I'm going to check out this Netflix special by this average comedian. They're either really good or they're worth nothing, right? You're throwing yeah. tomatoes at them. And the Redskins and all these teams at the top of the draft, with the exception of, let's see, the Lions, I guess, they don't know any, or the Chargers. Uh, we don't know what Phillip Rivers is doing. Yeah. But none of these teams have a quarterback. Well, we know what Phillip know Rivers is about. doing right now. He's making an, a 10th kid. But, yeah. the, but <laughs> we don't know what he's doing football-wise. Right? But my point is, you do not know anything about your quarterback, and it doesn't matter if you have Chase Young if you don't have a quarterback. So why... Why do you want to go spend all this capital just to be mediocre? Well, we're, we're going to talk about this, I think, you know, as the offseason draws near. But the the problem is, is that Tua might not come come through the draft. Yeah, and, and we saw yesterday what the second best quarterback then would end up being. It's Justin Herbert, who, like, he'll get taken great in the runner first round. Of, great runner. But he's not. A, like, if, you're, if your choice at number two is Justin Herbert, uh, Jordan Love. Uh, right. Jake, at, at that point, uh, I'm taking Jake from, uh, you know, Jacob Eason. So you, oh, I'm not taking at that point. You're trying to trade, trying to trade back. I'm not that insane. And you're trying to trade yes. back. You're trying to trade back. And if you can't, you know, um, Phil, by the way, the Philip Rivers to Indy thing. That'd be kind of cool. How awesome would that be? Do you think there? I don't think there's any chance he wants to move there, though. He's such a obviously family oriented well, I was, guy. I was saying that like you know the babysitter rates are going to go up for me because they're all going to flock over. There. The supply and demand will be low. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think the family would ever. The thing is, I don't think his family would move there, so he would just be. But don't he's very much though. He's very much though a, um, a traditional guy from that respect, right? Like Indianapolis, like screams tradition, right? Like living in L.A., San Diego, that's like liberal California, don't you think? Like you'd want to make that move? No. Okay. You ever been to San Diego? I been yeah, to San Diego. I don't think it's he wants delightful. to make that move. It's life. There's yeah. a zero ch- percent chance he wants to make that move. If they get Philip Rivers, though, the Colts are the best team in that division. Uh, assuming Tannehill regresses to the mean, yes, yeah. I mean, the the Tennessee Titans have been difficult to, well, not that not that difficult to beat, but they have been a team that has surprised us down the stretch here. Yeah, but, I, yeah. the Colts with Philip Rivers could be a Super Bowl contender. They they have all of the infrastructural parts that you want. They have a great offensive line. Frank Reich is a brilliant uh, offensive mind. They have a defense that does a good job of maximizing all of their resources. Yeah. And they have a, a franchise, unlike the Chargers, that does a very good job of maximizing all of its pieces, which mm-hmm. the Chargers have on the other been on the other side where everyone gets injured and they just somehow manage to underperform every year. The Colts are the exact opposite. All right. 
Games? Games. You ready? All right, we're going to go in order of when they happen. So the Saturday afternoon game on ESPN, not surprisingly, is in Houston for like the 15th straight year. Buffalo at Houston on Monday morning, early Monday morning. I said I thought Houston would be a four and a half point favorite. They're now two. They're two and a half point favorites. I'm still struggling to figure out why Deshaun Watson is getting absolutely zero respect. Both of us liked the over 41 at the time, um, and now it's 43 and a half. So Mm -hmm. we were, I think, on the right side there. Um, Two and I mean, Houston minus two and a half. Even if you have to lay the dollar twenty. I'm starting to convince myself that Will Fuller being back is going to help with J.J. Watt being back is going to help. The issue, though, is just like, okay, does Fuller play the whole game, right, is one of those. Um, and then how does Watson perform? I mean, because we, we talked about this. Like, it's just he has, you know, three games this year with grades under 50. He has three more games with grades under 70. For a really good quarterback, he just has some clunkers. And – you know, there's generally a common theme in them, which is that his some of his best players aren't healthy. But there's also this possibility that Buffalo takes away some of the things they do best. I mean, Tredavious White can probably do a pretty good job on DeAndre Hopkins, and then it comes down to how the other players do. Oh, I disagree. Okay. So I, think think DeAndre, Hopkins, I think Hopkins is going to roast him. Roast Tredavious White. And my reasoning for that is that when they met two years ago, so that game a couple years ago where they played in Houston – was Deshaun Watson's lowest-graded game of the past two seasons. However, Julian Davenport had maybe the worst pass-protecting yeah. game in the history of the universe, and Watson was under siege the whole game. So we didn't really see the offense. Now, Houston won that game by seven, interestingly. It was a pick-six by Nate Peterman, I think. that. And, uh, and what, what happened with Tredavious White and DeAndre Hopkins was Tredavious White actually got flagged three times. That's not something that's ever happened before for Tredavious White. I anticipate... DeAndre Hopkins having a lot of success and if Will Fuller can at least sprint down the field a few times Kenny Stills is a guy that is a very solid wide receiver mm-hmm. if Larry Tunsil it looks like he's going to play looks like Will Fuller is going to play looks like J.J. Watt's going to play that is a huge boost for that team enormous yeah and right and so then the question then becomes okay if and, and I think we're starting to come up to why we like Houston here ultimately if 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 Houston plays their average to above average game, can Josh Allen do anything? Because I think on the other side of the ball, Houston's defense is bad. I mean, they're I think they were worse in the NFL in yards per play allowed, thirty first in our our Massey uh, uh, ranking, you know, using that PF PFF grades and stuff like that. But Allen literally led the NFL in percentage of negative graded throws. So is this going to be something where? Like to me, there's such high variance here because if Allen is accurate and plays well, which we've seen him do at times, Houston's defense is 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 you know very markable, right? But if if Allen plays like he's kind of played on average this year, I think Houston's defensive woes won't be seen until round two. The Buffalo Bills, I agree with you. The Buffalo Bills are averaging negative expected points added per pass. To translate, their average pass play is getting them further no away way. from scoring. Which is mm-hmm. hilarious. Yep. The Houston Texans are, I believe, seventh in EPA per pass play. They have a dramatically better offense. They have the dramatically better quarterback. And the fact that they are only favored by two and a half is an absolute slap in the face to Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. However, if the Bills 
win or cover. And, you know, if they cover, there's probably a decent chance they win. What's the reason why? Uh, like, I what's think, the one I, thing that's going to happen? I think it's they bottle up Watson. And Watson has a game like he has against Tampa where he's, you know, just a little off. He's a little hurt. He's not moving very well. Hopkins drops a pass or two, right? They they turn the ball over a little bit. Buffalo's defense does a pretty good job, you know, with those with those things. And then Josh Allen doesn't screw the game up. That's how that's okay. how Buffalo wins. I have a different I have a different take on that because I don't think I don't think there's any way that Deshaun Watson with his weapons and the fact that they're they have a chance now to move forward in the playoffs they're they're going to put up a good effort. But the way that that the Bills can cover this is Josh Allen not the passer but the runner against a defense that plays a lot of man coverage yep. that isn't particularly good and he just runs wild and he has like 100 yards rushing yeah and that's to me the way that the bills can cover this is a a Josh Allen a decent passing game doesn't make too many mistakes but as a runner is able to take advantage interesting you didn't mention Frank Gore I did not shockingly on the flip side though the Houston covering um scenario seems far more likely which is okay Josh Allen is average Josh Allen their passing offense is average Bills passing offense it's hard for me to envision them scoring more than 20 points Mm -hmm. whereas with Houston if Will Fuller is out there they have one of the I think five best offenses in the NFL and they're going to score over 20 at home yeah, and, and another thing that's not trivial at all is that the Bills' rushing defense... So the Bills' are passing defense is one of the NFL's best. And the, you look at their secondary, they are you know top six or something in war-generated. They're very good in terms of you know their top three players in the secondary. You get down to their nickel and their second guy, they're a, little, they're a little shaky, but they're good, right? But teams have had success running the football against them. Mm-hmm. You know, Philly did, and Philly's not a good offense, right? Um you know, team, teams have had success moving that way. Um, and uh, an underrated part of Houston's offense is their running game is not a focal point. Mm-hmm. They run, I feel like they run the football that in a way that's set up by their pass. And Carlos Hyde is a runner that has gotten the yard that's blocked for him this year. And, and I think in this game, they can kind of control the game with Watson being efficient and also bringing in the big plays. And then Carlos Hyde, like Carlos Hyde, like legitimately helped the, help them control the game against Kansas that was City. That's a great point. And like, and it's not, it's. I'm not trying to make a point of oh, they're running game. The running game is the reason here. But the the Houston, to their credit, has done a really good job of mixing and matching to the point where it made a car, a sled dog like Carlos Hyde look like a, a premier running back in the NFL this year. And, it, and if, if we know he's not, but like that's something where check this out. So. There was a point this season, I'm not sure if it's still the case, I'd have to check, but th- where the only two rushing offenses that averaged a positive expected points added per play, per run, were the Ravens, who were by a mile, and then the yep. Houston Texans. Yep. Now, that tells you that the Houston Texans' run game is more efficient than the Buffalo Bills' passing game. Yep. Which, if that's the case, they're going to cover this number. Deshaun Watson is the better passer. But he's also the better runner, and I yeah. can't believe it took us this long to get to this point. But he took the week off last week. This is a game that they need. Yeah. This franchise needs to win this game. The Buffalo Bills don't need to win this game. Mm-hmm. They already made it to the playoffs. They did, had a really nice year. For the Houston Texans, 
to have a successful season, for Deshaun Watson to feel as though he is making progress, they have to win this yeah. game. And there's no chance that Deshaun Watson is going down without laying his body on the line. Do you want to hear something funny? So after, so you talk about we, uh, they rested their starters against Tennessee. After that 21-point loss, Houston's been outscored this year by seven points. Wow. Um, so they, they're, they've played close games all year. Um, and again, it's one of those issues where that, to me, that gives me a little bit of pause, right? But I just, I just see this as being them having it, being in a different class as, as, as uh, Buffalo here, Buffalo, a very good team. That's done a, a very good job of elevating from basically a team that, you know, was in the, in the dumps and now is a, is I think what what is going to be a perennial playoff team. But right now, I think, Despite like some of these like random stats that have gone against Houston, uh, I think they're the better team, and I think that they cover the number I'll, here. I'll close it out with this: the Buffalo Bills did not beat a single playoff team this year. Yeah, they beat the Titans with Marcus Mariota, which, by the way, does not come close to counting. The Buffalo or the uh, the Tennessee Titans with Marcus Mariota were a top five pick team yeah. coming up, whereas the Houston Texans have gone into Kansas City. Beaten mm-hmm. Kansas City, they beaten New England handily, right? They are a team that wins games against good teams. They know how to do that, and for whatever that's worth, that ma- that matters. Well, to the, and Houston had, and this is going to come up in another game. Houston had the second toughest schedule per average PFF ELO. Buffalo mm-hmm. had a twenty ninth. Um, so yes, I think stepping up in class is often you know the times that Buffalo stepped up in class and won, it was against Duck Hodges and the and the Pittsburgh Steelers, which we know now. Uh, not a step up a bit a bit of fool's gold yeah. uh, obviously Tennessee but Tennessee missed four field goals in that game and Marcus Mariota is the quarterback that's not going to happen uh that wouldn't have been wouldn't have been the case this time so yeah it, it's just a different class here but um again if you're going to buy into Houston buyer beware because there are situations I it's this is not like a stone cold lock in my opinion okay Tennessee at New England the PFF Twitter account put out a poll that uh, I found very interesting. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, the Tennessee. Yeah, who's going to win this game? Titans or Patriots? And I think it, when I looked at it, there were 10,000 responses or something like that. 60% said the Titans, which I don't know if that just tells you about the activity of people on Twitter at that time of the day, but the Patriots fans are pretty, they're out there. So for that to show up was very surprising to me. And then everything that I have seen from a media standpoint where, whether it's who has the advantage of quarterback and people going, yeah, well, you know, it's Ryan Tannehill and all these things have taken the number, was five and a half, it's down to four and a half, which was, I think, what we kind of settled on on Monday morning. There is a lot of love for the Tennessee Titans, which is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> We've seen this happen over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh... I mean, the the thing about it is we we saw Tennessee and how like and thoroughly they dominated the backups for Houston, and we forget that the prior week they got they you know New Orleans went on the road and covered against them. The previous week Houston went on the road and covered against them. Should have smashed them. Should have should have smashed them. Tannehill continues to look very comfortable in the pocket. He is averaging thirteen point five passing yards per play action pass. Um, when pressured, he has the second highest pass rating. He's the highest pass rating when clean. He's had a terrific season, all told. But there's no way that Belichick looks at this situation. And granted, you know, I, I you know, going at five and a half, I did like Tennessee. But you look at this and you say, 
Tennessee to win the game outright, I don't think there's any way that Belichick allows Tannehill to get out outside the pocket, right? And and you know, and to have the comfortability that he's had before. There's also the fact that Tannehill has, t- has taken a sack on 31.5% of the times he's been pressured this year. The only, pe- I mean, Mariota was one of only two quarterbacks who was ahead of him that, you know. No quarterback has taken sacks at a higher rate overall than Ryan Tannehill. And that's why they're not scoring, you know, 45 points a game with him because those sacks like kill drives, right? It, it, you can be efficient throwing the football, but if you're starting a second and 20, that, that's a, that's tough. a, tough, that's a I mean, tough move. Literally so. one of every 10 dropbacks, he's taking a sack. Against the Patriots, if there is a defense that is going to find a way to maximize that deficiency, it's the Patriots. They scheme pressure better than anyone else uh, out there. And you know, I, I just assume that there's going to be some New england thing that happens in this game. Remember when they faced the Falcons in, on that Sunday night game in a rematch of the yeah, Super yeah, Bowl yeah. and a fog in yeah, Golf yeah, Stadium? Yeah. I would, well, and I would they expect, ran a jet sweep on fourth and one from the one and got stuffed. Yeah. I would expect a fog to roll in on uh, Saturday night. I would expect uh, Jim and Tony to be in awe of the fog. I would expect three trick plays from the New England Patriots, none of which we've seen before. And here's the kicker for me. And... I think at four and a half, there is value on the Patriots, and here's why. The Titans' defense is terrible. Over the past, uh, or since week 12, they have the one of the lowest pressure rates in the entire league. Mm-hmm. They're also contesting catches at one of the lowest rates in the entire mm-hmm. league. And if you're thinking about what's wrong with the Patriots, well, it's been that Tom Brady's either been under pressure or his receivers have been you know, dealing with contested targets at the catch point and not getting open. And who are the, the cornerbacks for the Titans? A bunch of guys that, that used to play, right? LaShawn Sims. Exactly. They're, they're nobodies. So the, the Patriot, this sets up perfectly for a no one believes in us. You're coming into our house. We still, the, the road to the playoff, the championship, the road to the Super Bowl still goes through New England, uh, whether it be foggy or not. Probably yeah. will be. Yeah. If I'm, here's the thing if I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, Right, mm-hmm. I'd much rather see New England in the second round than any, you know, than than I would Houston. I think Houston is Houston has the ceiling that I think can beat the Chiefs. Well, I don't, it did, yeah, it, right. And whereas I think New England's ceiling is not as high, um, but in this particular game, what I think it like this is this is a tale as old as time, right? Like, <laughs> you know. We looked at last year, like the Chargers were the next up and coming team. Like they had a they had a great defense with seven playing seven defensive backs and all this kind of stuff, and they get throttled in the playoffs by New England, right? Um, Tim Tebow, like you know, threw for three, you know John three sixteen number of yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he literally gave, they got like fifty yards of total offense against the Pats, right? Like the in the playoffs, New England does a pretty good job. Yeah, obviously McVay last year, although some of the allure had been had left McVay by then, but it, it is something where. To me, I don't think Tennessee's offense is going to beat the brakes off of New England's defense. This game is mostly going to be about if New England can score enough points to win the game. And to your point about Tennessee, they don't create pressure. They're, they can't cover. So, you know, I think it looks better than I think it looks better for New England than people think. Yes, which is why, despite everyone loving the Titans, this is a four and a half point game, right? So we yeah. just talked about Bills Houston where we made a pretty decided case that Houston is the better team. Here we're talking about how everyone is saying, well, the Titans are just going to win outright, and yet the Patriots are favored 
you know, by more, well more than a field goal, which tells you something about the underlying, you know, metrics for both of these teams. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, if I said, if I said, hey, the Patriots are going up against a, an upstart franchise with a defense that can't get pressure, can't cover, and a quarterback who's taking sacks at a higher rate than Joe Flacco this season, you would go to the bank, you would, you yeah. would take out enormous loan, and you would put it on the Patriots. Well, because I think that they would, I, I think that the issue is, is that the, the Patriots are going to take away the things that Tennessee does well, which is A.J. Brown. And we, we saw, you know, Gilmore is not a god. He got got by Devontae Parker last week. Like, but at the same time, like, I'll, I would bet on him doing, a, doing that type of job more than any corner cornerback in the entire NFL. So, yeah, I, I like it here. Here's the question I, I think that, you know, people are going to probably ask. If you have, you know, New England at plus, you know, New England, sorry, at minus four and a half, tease that up to ten and a half. Is Tennessee a teaser like this week? Because I think that New England's a low enough scoring team where I can see them winning this game by 10, right? Very similar to, you know, the Buffalo game where they covered the spread but didn't cover but Buffalo covered the teaser leg. Is this a teaser opportunity in a weekend where there's not a whole lot of value on the board? Yeah, I, I like it. And I think about the ways in which Tennessee could cover this and or cover the teaser. The, the teaser. And it's all about it's all about Tannehill not having a meltdown. So mm-hmm. if you think Tannehill is meltdown proof, then then both of those possibilities occur right because right. the let the path to them covering is ryan Tannehill plays like ryan Tannehill's mm-hmm. played which means he's gonna take some sacks but he's gonna hit some deep plays yep. and new england's gonna struggle offensively exactly. like new england's not gonna be able to get a 14 point lead against this team so i i, I like that a lot the the thing it, it all hinges on what is your what is the likelihood that ryan Tannehill, who played wide receiver at one point yeah. ends up uh showing up to new england in the fog and not being able to see yeah <laughs> like that's that is that is what causes that not to happen on the other side of things if you're like okay what does it take what is the path by which new england covers it is a little it is a little murky because you still are kind of you're kind of hoping that Tannehill really struggles but you're also saying hey they're going to run a few trick plays and at least one of them's got a hit right that's kind of the way so if you if you reverse engineer that and you say okay well new england's relying on trick plays if a team is relying on trick plays to cover ten and a half, mm-hmm. that seems like something I'd like to buy into. Yeah, so that's that's a leg that I kind of like. Speaking of another leg that I kind of like, you have two legs, which is surprising because you just went to the sports book in Indianapolis, where having two legs uh, is not very common. Right, it put me in the upper distribution. <laughs> so um, Minnesota at New Orleans in a rematch of the Minneapolis Miracle, a game that we had New Orleans as plus five as our lock of the week way back when. Mm-hmm. And while my family and I were on a family vacation mm-hmm. in San Diego, Stefan Diggs running into the end zone and me sweating out whether they're going to kick the, kick the extra point, you know, everybody else had fun. That was a little bit less fun for us. Um, here's the thing. New Orleans is anywhere. It depends upon where you look. Seven and a half point favorite to eight and a half is where I've seen it. Um, how does Minnesota keep this game close? So I was I was trying to figure this out and I had I had this as like a 6 point spread on Monday. And the reason for that is if Thielen plays, so like let's say Thielen is 85% and you go okay, which offense is more explosive? Not which offense is better, but which offense is more explosive? It's the Minnesota Vikings. In fact, this season 
their expected points added per pass play is higher than that of the New Orleans Saints. Now, I know that includes some Teddy Bridgewater, but just humor me for a second. Mm-hmm. So the way that Minnesota keeps this close is because they can hit a big play, whereas the New Orleans Saints are much more of a matriculate the ball down the field and yes. score with efficiency on a lot of plays, whereas the Vikings, if Kirk Cousins just manages not to implode, like which is a very real possibility, right? There's like a, you flip a coin, heads, Kirk Cousins literally loses his mind and his brain leaks out of his ear. Tails, he is able to bring himself onto the field with full coherence. The the Minnesota Vikings can hit a couple of big plays with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and keep this one keep this one close. That that is how it happens in my mind. Yeah, I, well, right, and I, I agree with you. My my only comeback is that the Saints have actually been super explosive of late. Uh, yes, and and like you look, which at the, is weird. You look at the last like three three weeks. They're averaging you know basically a quarter of an expected point in the first half of games, about a fifth of an expected point overall. I know it's Panthers defense, and I know that it was Tennessee's defense, but they are making chunk plays to tight end. You know, Jared Cook. He has been what they thought he would be and what he wasn't for the first like ten weeks of the season. He's led the the position in yards per route run since like week twelve. He's been awesome, right? Um, Michael Thomas is you know obviously has the ability to make downfield plays. They haven't you know needed him to necessarily. Uh, and then Kamara, you know, he's he's you know gotten out of a slump. It's interesting that their offense has been. Still pretty damn good, even though Kamara's had his worst season uh, in the pros this year. So in that res- in that regard, I agree with you that they are more a cross the street type of offense than a jump across the street type of offense. But the the problem with Minnesota is I think the narrative about their offense turning the corner this year is is drastically overblown. If you take you know we and we had this discussion on Twitter yesterday. If you take out the four October games where they faced. You know, uh, the, not the not the 1986 Giants, but the actual New York Giants, the Detroit Lions, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, who were struggling at the time, um, and I'm, tr- I'm blanking on the last team. But you take out those four games that they played, Cousins grade this season among quarterbacks 17th. And oh, he's an average quarterback. And you're talking about a league. You're talking about a league where Big Ben got hurt, Andrew Luck decided to retire, Drew Brees sat out. You know, five games. Uh, you know. Tom Brady wasn't good. Pat Mahomes was less good. He sat out some games as well. So, like, this was a year for Kirk Cousins to be a top 10 quarterback. And, yes, he had a stretch during the season that propelled him. But this is not a good – This the Vikings offense is not the Vikings offense that everybody is, like, really, you know, uh, head over heels for. This is a Vikings offense down the stretch was a bottom half of the league group in terms of efficiency. You mentioned Jared Cook. The Vikings defense has not been great. The one place they have been great is against the tight end, yeah. which they do have some injuries, right? So like Eric Hendricks is injured. Yep. Um, they do have, you know, they have two really, gr- really great safeties, but they are second, I believe, to the San Francisco 49ers in EPA per play allowed when targeting mm-hmm. the tight end. So maybe they're able to limit Jared Cook a little yep. bit, and that forces the Saints to be a little more underneath. What's really interesting about the Saints is that they've had this explosion of, of uh, offense of late. But Drew Brees has played not well in these past couple of games. He played great against the Niners. And then each of those past couple, uh, two games have been two of the worst games he's had in the past two seasons, which doesn't show up in, on the score and doesn't show up in a lot of the power metrics mm-hmm. because of how good the offense was against really inferior teams, which worries me a little bit. But here's, here's why I think I was so wrong about where the spread would end up and why the, the way that New Orleans covers this game, the way that Kirk Cousins implodes is that 
this stadium is going to be so loud. It is going to be ridiculous how loud it is inside the Superdome. And the New Orleans Saints can rush the passer. Mm-hmm. Top five team in pressure eight. Blitz a ton. Kirk Cousins not folding in that situation is a long shot, in my opinion. And the fact that he is, we need to remember, as you said, that he is simply an average quarterback. There is there is blowout potential in this game, no doubt about it. And it's it's the same. I mean, the Saints have all of the pieces. They have the revenge side of things. They have the better quarterback. They have mm-hmm. the the better defense, obviously. Um, the better coach. So I, I don't know. It's it's uh, the path for the Saints to cover seven and a half seems daunting when you just look at the power ranking of both mm-hmm. teams. But when you think about the matchups, I think it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and so for this one. When we're looking at betting angles for this game, I'm much less inclined to to lay the eight with New Orleans. But here are a couple things that I here are a couple ways that I think about betting this game in terms of uh, you know sort of derivatives. And we wrote about one uh, you know on PFF.com, so go ahead and take a look at it. One of the ones is you know Saints first half over, right? Because we've seen at times the Saints get off to a hot start. We saw it against Carolina. We saw it against uh, San Francisco, and all of that. They continue to do well in that game. Get off to a hot start and then kind of you know run the game out because mm. they're ahead. But right now you can get thirteen and a half first half points, which you're basically asking that Saints offense to score two touchdowns in the first quarter, first half. And you know you're you are laying a price for it. Fourteen would be you know somewhere more you know even like you know one hundred minus one ten type of type of thing. Either one of those I think you can't go wrong with. Uh, another one that I I really do like is teasing this game down to like two and a half yep. or less. You know because that way, if this game this game's laying at eight right now, you can take a t- six point teaser down to two. All the all the Saints really have to do is win the game by a field goal. You match that with what we talk about with Tennessee, or what we might talk about a little bit later with Philadelphia, and that's a pretty good. That's that's teasing through two key numbers, seven and three. I think is a pretty solid play. I like this is the one time that I really like your your teaser analysis. It shows that you have been deep in the depths of degeneracy for the past yeah. three days. You came out just to do the podcast. Actually, yeah. it was noticeable that your voice had you know you'd really been grinding it out over the past. Look, few I days. had to watch just I had like real money on Justin Herbert yesterday, and I was <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, it, but this makes a ton of sense because the idea that the Saints would manage to lose this game after what what all has happened is really hard to fathom and they have such an advantage um, over the Vikings in basically every aspect I, I actually think there's probably a lot of hey well the Vikings have a good defense and they're like are, is their defense better than the Saints defense well and the right I, I don't I actually don't buy that I don't well, think that the, the the Vikings defense is better than the and Saints there's the narrative that Zimmer has performed well when playing against goat quarterbacks which ha- historically has been okay. Like he, they bottled up Rodgers, but we're finding out that Rodgers is not that good, right? Like since Zimmer took over in 2014, Rodgers was MVP, and then since then he's yep. been a steady decline. I miss the old Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Breeze had Breeze had some games. Uh, you know, Breeze had some mediocre games, including the first half of Minneapolis Miracle. Matt mm-hmm. Ryan as well. But this season, they faced what I would consider. You know, they faced the Lions. They gave up like basically over 400 yards. They played Dak. They gave up over 400 yards. They faced um, Russell Wilson. They gave up over 400 yards. Uh, they've when th- th- this season has been sprinkled in with Matt Moore's. They lost to Matt Moore, by the way. Um, Brandon Allen, uh, Eli, yeah. <laughs> or Eli slash Daniel Jones, Haskins slash Keenum. 
uh, they their 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 season is weird, and why you can't like this is a small sample sport. You have to be a little. You have to drill down a little bit further, and this this defense has struggled against good offenses, and and I think that that happens today. The thing is, you can't today. Hide, you, sorry, this, this week you can't hide your cornerbacks. I got and excited. It, Xavier Rhodes is a below replacement level corner this year. Mike Hughes, their their top graded cornerback doesn't crack the top fifty. So if you're telling me that the Saints can't yeah. take advantage of that, I, I really like the um, New Orleans minus two teaser leg. All right, the Sunday night game is Eagles uh, Seahawks. Now, aside from both these teams being birds, I feel like we're we're ha- watching two teams face yeah. each other, um, and the reason for that is that both these teams have supporting casts that suck. Both of these teams have quarterbacks that are really good. Now, Russell Wilson certainly has played better than Carson Wentz this season. But the only reason that these two teams are anywhere near the playoffs is because they have two really good quarterbacks. Um, And I'm trying to think about which one, like, both of these teams just play from behind, find a way to grit it out at the end, and play a lot of close games. And the Seahawks have won a lot of them this year, and the Eagles obviously you know, finish the season just barely hanging on to win. Yep. So which which one wins out? Yeah, so there there was something I was I was list, I was reading uh, early in the week that said that there's some sort of like angle where if you look at strength of schedule in the first round of the playoffs and you blindly bet the team with the higher strength of schedule, that has covered like 70% of the time. Yeah. And so that that one Seattle has a third toughest schedule for us versus you know, PFF Elo, Philadelphia 32nd, right? So in some ways, Seattle has been battle tested, but the hard part about that is that Seattle is not like hasn't been that good, right? So like the the hard part would be like it would it would make sense if two equally yoked teams were playing each other and one had gone through this gauntlet and the other hadn't. But I don't know. So there's one angle for like Seattle, right? That that I that like makes me push back a little bit on a Philadelphia play, but there's also the fact that like. Doug Peterson, I think, is just so much like more prepared for a situation like this than Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer and company. That I think they're going to find a way, you know. And I, I don't know. It's a tough one. I I have a hard time with either side of this game, but I I do I do think that there are a couple of compelling cases for both sides. Yeah. So the the, the thing with I mean these teams met in week twelve. Yeah. Right? Well, we had the Eagles <laughs> and spread column. And one of the things about that game was the e- the Eagles' pressure. I mean, they, that defensive line really, really got to Russell Wilson. They sacked him six times. Uh, that seems to be a very possible thing that could happen again. Like, there's no reason to yeah. say, well, all of a sudden the Seahawks' offensive line has gotten better. In fact, it's gotten way worse. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't have Dwayne Brown in there. It's It's been a real struggle for them. Yep. The other thing is that the Eagles' offense is very bad, but the places that they attack with the tight end and with the running back, the, the Seahawks have not stopped. Yeah. So they refuse to, really. I mean, refuse to change their approach. Right. They're just out there playing three linebackers, and like Dallas Goddard's really come on. You know, Zach Ertz it looks like he's going to try and play. But if you're like, hey, how do the Eagles actually grit out a win in the playoffs? It's exactly against a team like the Seahawks. Yeah who have no offensive line and their defense isn't going to offer such a resistance against the one thing that the Eagles do, which is line up in 12 personnel and throw the tight ends. Mm-hmm. That's all they're going to do. So I, the, compace for, the compelling case for the Eagles is, hey, they're an underdog at home. We've seen this story before. 
And, oh, by the way, they're playing a team that has a great quarterback, but nothing else. Yeah. Well, and the, and we've we've seen this like repeatedly. And the crazy part is, you and I watched that that Sunday night game. Niners, you know, Niners six. Niners completely control the game, and somehow Seattle has a chance mm-hmm. at the end, right? If you're gonna take the points and 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 bet Philly here, you have to know that that's a possibility, and it's a frustrating one because there really should be no reason for it in many cases. Now, the reason why I don't think that this is a game that like I'm going to like we were going to give out or something as, as a spread picks article pick was Zach Ertz, Miles Sanders, Lane Johnson, Jalen Mills are all smashing it questionable, right? And and you know Wentz doesn't have great yards per attempt, but he's had a pretty good year, all things considering everything. And what I thought was was good about the the Eagles is after you know that they they took their lumps for a few weeks, what happened was their situation sucked. But it was sort of like con- it was contained suckiness. They knew, they knew exactly who they didn't have anymore. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Alshon wasn't playing for ten snaps and then leaving, right? They they knew yep. Greg Ward was going to be their number one receiver, and JJ Ortega Whiteside was going to be their second receiver, and like they they just rolled with that as a as a sort of something that they knew. But these injuries being sort of this unknown here is something that I think could could be a problem for them, right? Because the the hardest part is. You know, Lane Johnson plays two snaps is replaced right away. You know, yeah. that type of thing. Brandon Brooks is also out. For the season, yes. The question is whether the Seahawks can take advantage of this, right? Because, like, they yeah. just, their defense. Jatavion Clowney had the game of his life uh, in, against the game. Niners yeah. when when Joe Staley was hurt, right? Like, that that's the kind of game that he has but in, literally, in like, him. The Seahawks, so I think maybe the way that I would boil this game down to is which quarterback is given more opportunities to make plays? And which quarterback has to face more situations where they have to be Houdini to win the game? Mm-hmm. And I would I would be willing to say that Carson Wentz is probably going to have a ten percent lower pressure rate in this game, maybe fifteen. The the Seahawks do not get pressure; they just cannot. And so, if you give him some time to find guys that are open, whereas Russell Wilson is facing pressure on forty five percent of his dropbacks, he doesn't have as many times that he can beat you. Mm-hmm. And you you say that okay well the guy that has more clean pockets is at home he's you know and he's an underdog yep. like, that to me is kind of compelling I, it's really hard because both these teams feel so like I just have no idea what I'm getting the Eagles have basically been the Falcons this year in terms of everything going wrong I think they have the most drops on third or fourth down of any team in the NFL like that's exactly what yeah, that's the, Falcons the Falcons have been behavior. you know it's like it's not something that's stable but for this team yeah. it just happens yeah the this this, tricky. this number has moved a little bit obviously not through any key numbers but Philly opened at a minus 1 it got out to Seattle plus, minus 2 and then now it's Seattle minus 1 and a half um I see it at minus 2 some places yeah too. so so this is like you're not crossing any key numbers Honestly, if you can get lucky enough to get any of the each side at plus three, it's a that to me is like the best bet of the weekend. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's ever going to get there. Um, so the the one option that you know because Seattle has not extended on any teams any at all this they're year. Just they're a close, they just they're a close game team. Is if you want to look at another teaser leg, I do think you if you tease uh, Philadelphia to plus eight and a half, that's through the three and through the seven. That's another op- possibility. Um, and you're and you're you know you're getting you know you're getting a team like Philly who likes to play close games, Seattle likes to play close games. You don't really care who wins; you just hope it stays close. That to me, if you look at if you look at possible teaser combinations, you have three, two, two, you know, six, you know, com- or th- uh, 
yeah, three combinations of those that you can choose, right? It's just a teaser, teaser type yeah. weekend, which I like because they're fun to, to, they're fun to play. They're generally agonizing though. Because well, you have to like you so have when to kind of get lucky with the numbers that you can. Our tease. last lock of the week, we had Buffalo, and then we had to wait two days for Green Bay, right? right. And that was we won't have to wait two days for this one. Yeah, the I, I do like that quite a bit. It's hard to see any either team like really extending here, especially because the Eagles, the Eagles at home, you just feel like they're going to mess. It's going to be a crazy game. Like there's just going to be like five plays where you just go, "Are you kidding me?" You know, but. Um, and both teams love to run on second and long, and so like it stays low scoring, and you're like, okay, well, if it's low scoring, probably no one's going to win by more than eight and a half points. And then there's also the whole, well, like the Seahawks just continually get in their own way, too. In both the, of these in teams. In that San Francisco too. game, or in, on the Sunday night, right? Yeah. The delay of game that pushed them from the one to the five. I know. Which I actually don't think hurt their chances of scoring as much as people want to give it credit for. No, but but just not taking a quarter, not, not having the presence of mind to literally just sneak that ball and knowing that what are you taking off at, at maximum five more ten more seconds? Like you're Rus- like Russell should have just went up to the line of scrimmage and everybody's freaking out and snuck the ball over the goal line. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> right. Because if you thought about that, it's it's actually interesting, right? So if they had, sn- had they had tried to sneak and not gotten it, you have to spike the ball. Yeah. Okay. Fine, but you you still get two shots from the one. Yep. Like that. That's not good enough for you. <laughs> you what you, what else yeah. are you gonna and do? This is again throw back it three to, times. This is one? back to the to the preparedness, right? Like we can say whatever we want about the Eagles second down run rate. Talk about you know their their pension for enticing third and longs. We could talk however we want about San Francisco and how you know maybe they're built too much around the run game, all that kind of stuff. But I can tell you this. Shanahan has Shanahan has told his team if that's the situation we're we're running a sneak right or we're going to run a goal line something that's you know like another play would be like that would be a, literally a play where I would look at the goal line fade you come in snap the ball throw a fade to David Moore or whomever is out there and if it's incomplete fine it's just like a spike if it's not incomplete you know whatever but like that's a, a thing where, like, you know that some teams have prepared for that. The, the, the Patriots have prepared for that situation. The Eagles have prepared for that situation. Niners probably have. Maybe the Rams have. And Seattle clearly did not. Yeah, they were clearly not did not. And it and it, and it sucks because like Russell Wilson, like Russell Wilson should. That was an MVP performance from him that night. If they win, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, one play is probably not going to uh, not going to get it done. Not going to get done. All right. So there's some interesting ones here. I think it comes down to this in terms of lock of the week stuff. Which last week we did not have one because Tennessee, that Tennessee game. Right. They ended up deciding not to. uh, Not to play their guys. Their guys are just fun. Um, We're either picking a teaser or we're going with Houston minus two and a half. Yeah. Where are you leaning? Uh, That's a great. So the Houston minus two and a half is just so pure i don't think it's a lock i don't the the problem is i don't think it's a lock but i do love being on the side of deshaun watson it's just so comforting it's a good feeling man and i and and the bills like i like the bills as a as a franchise but i think this is another game where they i don't know like and here the thing is you're only laying two and a half you're not laying the full three so like the back if the back door if the back door's open, the Bills are going to win the game outright, right? It's not mm-hmm. going to be one of those where, you know, we're laying four 
and Buffalo is down 10 with, you know, three minutes to play, and we're sweating out the last drive. Like, you know, our, our you know, Houston's incentives are aligned with our incentives here. Um, look, look, so I am with you, but I will point out that New Orleans minus two, Philly plus eight and a half. Is a very good. It's very enticing because we we enumerated the many ways that New Orleans is far superior to the Vikings. I think the only reason that you would be really worried about that is that maybe Drew Brees' signs of decline really manifest themselves yeah. here, and he really struggles. If they if they play like they play in the first half against Tennessee, the whole game, we might be in trouble. Be in trouble. Yeah. Philly plus eight and a half. You risk Russell Wilson all of a sudden. Yeah. Just saying, you know what? I'm going to have one of these games where I'm going to throw five perfect 30 plus yard passes. Yep. And and he can do that. No quarterback has a better accuracy yep. rate on over the shoulder throws than Russell Wilson. I mean, he's fantastic at them. But both of those scenarios feel pretty outlierish. So I I the Tennessee one is risky to me because of New England and just yeah. what they can do. Right. Like if they play Ryan like Tannehill gets food target. poisoning. Right. He eats bad crab the night before just happens if they play like they did against the chargers in the playoffs last year this game yeah. this is you're sweating out like a back the backdoor cover here but tennessee could win the game outright right so yeah um i don't know what do you think what where do you gun to your head which one do you have to take uh, my initial um i think the so here's the thing i think the game that has the most um where the market line is the most divergent from where it should be is Houston. Mm -hmm. So even though I like both teasers, I do think both of those lines initially are pretty efficient. Okay. Uh, And it looks pretty like, and we're, we're not concerned about Will Fuller playing or Watt playing. To me, that's the only, I am kind of concerned about Will Fuller. Yeah. Um... I, I, the, here's the thing. The reason that's two and a half, is that people believe that the Bills' defense is very good and that the Bills overall are very good and are just writing off the fact that the Texans have a yeah. far better offense and offense is what matters. Yeah, and yeah. so do you think we'll see Will Fuller? Bill Bryan said, uh, yes, I do. I think he'll play Sunday or Saturday. So uh, that's really the bet we're making. We're making the bet that Will Fuller plays and that he matters, and I, I, I agree with it. All right. Let's do it. By the way, though, the teasers are still there, the teaser, and I will be playing the them. The teasers are still there. I think I took the New Orleans-Philly teaser like on Monday because Good. it just made so much sense. The Tennessee one was one we just openly discussed here. I also like. like it, Tennessee keeping that game close is, I think, a fairly obvious choice. Nothing goes wrong with obvious yeah, choices. That's true. All right. That was fun. I enjoy the wild card. You now are seeming to come around on it. I am. I, it took me a while, but Which is having good. to watch bowl games. I was about to say, me, having, to, having to watch Pop Warner on New Year's Day yes. is what will get you through it. I managed to make it through New Year's Day and those games by feeding myself nice things. Mm-hmm. You got through it by winning money on those things in a, in a sports book with a lot of people in wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. Um, time for the Cincy Y. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm excited. Okay. It's this time of the year, right? It's, it's January 1st, and everyone has a New Year's resolution. And you turn on the TV, and it's just like how on Christmas, every commercial you see is a car with a bow on it. And then for the new year... And then me, yeah, me asking for the refund. Yes. And then 
as New Year's comes around, it's like every other commercial is a Peloton, a Bowflex, a stair climber, a, this thing called the mirror. Have you seen the mirror? No. It's a mirror that you hang on your wall that has a fitness trainer in the mirror and tells you what movements to do. And you stand in front of the mirror and you do the movements. It's breathtaking. It's like a thousand dollars. I personally just I couldn't believe that this is where we've gotten in life. But you're legitimately buying a thousand dollar mirror to show you a workout in the mirror. But whatever. It's the most. Wonderful I would at least time. I would at least prefer that people keep, you know, buy yeah. the mirror and stay in their own home. But of course, so I, I go to the gym uh, yesterday and I'm just going to my apartment gym because I the since he wise closed on New Year's. At least I thought it was I wasn't going to make that track just to find out. And to give you a sense of my apartment gym, it's a traditional apartment gym in that no one really uses it because everyone assumes an apartment gym sucks. So they yep. just go somewhere else. So the most people I've ever seen in this gym are maybe three. And it's usually a pretty hilarious combo of people. I walked down yesterday and there's like 10 people in there. Oh my goodness. 10 people in there. And it's just, it is bumping. And I can tell that none of these people have worked out in 11 months. I mean, it is very clear, right? Their clothing looks a little awkward. Uh, you know, they're not exactly in the greatest shape. There's a couple of them that are running on the treadmill and look like they're going to die. And I know these pe- So I'm trying to be supportive, right? I try really hard kind of not to laugh. I don't end up making that happen. Um, but my whole thing with this is I think it's society, society's issue is that they have people make these resolutions at this time of the year. Yeah. So if you flipped it around and you were like, okay, instead of deciding to start working out in the cold, bitter January months where I already look like crap and I'm just going to put a bunch of clothes on afterwards. If it was like a spring or an early summer thing, mm-hmm. I think it'd have way more success. Yeah, you're talking about like an endpoint problem. Yeah, in in the in the world. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, my we, what we should do. Okay, you're a million dollar idea. We should have a make a national holiday, like June one, national resolution. Get your shit together, day. National resolution day. Yeah, national don't be fat anymore day, <laughs> where you decide to. And here's the other issue. It's but it's not just it's so like for example, I have a coffee addiction. I decided on January I January first I was going to give up coffee for a month. And like it's not so it's not just weight related things, but it's honestly like literally just like natural self control day. Well my problem with those types of things, now I think you can probably make some good out of this, but when people go, I'm gonna do something for a month, I'm gonna stop Smoking cigarettes for a month. Yeah. Okay, great. Month goes by, back to a pack a day. I'm going to work out for a month straight. Right. Okay, that happens. I then eat six pizzas and don't work out for the next 11 months. Mm-hmm. Rinse, lather, repeat. People go into these things without any sort of plan, right? So yeah. they're like, they're, the other problem is they're, they get hammered on New Year's Eve. And then they go, okay, I got to make this happen. Like I told myself I was going to go to the gym. They have no plan. They go in there. They do a couple push-ups. They throw up. They're like, this is miserable. You know, lasts a week, just doesn't happen. So I think you're, I think that's brilliant. I'd support that. I also think you should just be able to have a, a uh, routine that you pick up at any point in the year. Like, well, why do you need to do it right now? Yeah, I mean, I think there's milestones are like that, right? And then the, the thing about New Year's resolutions is it's more mostly about changing your habits. So like, like 
the question for me is like, okay, in this month, do I, do I find out that I don't actually really like coffee? I just like the, the pattern, camaraderie, the pattern of doing this stuff. Yeah. And, and then like that, that's more of like how, or somebody's like, God, I just, I'm, I got, I found out I have a runner's high because I started running on Jan one. Well, that's probably less probable than, Hey, I started running on June one on national resolution day brought to you by the PFF forecast. I think, I think it has a chance and you would have less. The other issue is people are traveling, so they don't have time to like actually think through a routine that would work for them. And that's why routines, you don't build habits because you don't have any like nothing that you put in place is actually repeatable. Well, that's why I always like so I've, I've actually had different like kind of for every month. And I'm like, well, I can't do I can't do alcohol this month because there's like this, this, this and this. Yeah. And I can't and I can't do, you know, uh, you know, certain other things other months. It's like because, you know, I can't give up meat this month because I have like, you know, we have the the the, uh, the party where we have a steak at the. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's like. That's like the difficult thing too. It's that the endpoints are not like perfectly aligned, right? Well, I also think the idea of giving something up cold turkey is poor. I, I generally don't think people can do that very well. Yeah. So you're better off picking a moderate point, going to that, and then actually sticking to it, not feeling guilty or like having it be sure. a hassle, and then actually being able to wean down. But from one that. thing I disagree like with. Like I only eat a couple of pints of ice cream a week. But that's the problem. I think like you are the problem. The problem is, is that most people struggle with moderation and most people struggle. Most people struggle with moderation in some parts of their life. Right. So like you are very good in moderation. (laughs) No, but like the fact that you can only eat, you only like you limit yourself to one pint a week is, I think, a model of moderation. There are other things in your life where you're either hot or cold. Like we're all that way. Right. And like. And so that's I think that's where the, the the cutting it off cold turkey, I think, can be valuable for some people. But in, but I do agree that the optimal choice is obviously moderation, but people can't pull that off. OK, that was resolution talk. Yeah. National resolution day, June 1st. Mark it down. Yeah. Maybe we go May. No, I think. Well, because June is like mostly where like school ends. So mm-hmm. like people are. My one people's of things- habits are already screwed up that day so they can kind of reengineer them. Yeah. I do think the motivation for people to get in shape for the summer is a good one. And I think it's hard for people to view that Jan one. Yep. I start thinking about it. Right. I mean, obviously. when the season's over, and you go to L.A. after. You've you know. got to be ready to go. It's always swimsuit season. All right. Uh, that was our show. We'll be back with you. So Sunday night is not going to be as late for us. It's That's fantastic. Right. It's yeah. awesome. It might, right. The podcast might be up. It might be good. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. about keeping up with your fave friends all summer or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see don't sweat the connect you can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for a hundred dollars a month scroll the staycation pics find your new go-to takeout spot or catch some rays on video chat whatever you and the crew are into all the data makes it all that much better smile you're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. 
Order today and save 50%. Plus, get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details.